Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. My name is Zach Torpy. And I'm Katie Zakreski. Together, we'll guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them. All while remaining faithful to our conservative values. Trust me, it'll be a good time. Yeah, it's a party, so grab your mugs and we'll pour the tea. Today's episode, we'll be focusing on Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanisms, a new proposal from Senator Lindsey Cassidy, Republican from Louisiana. And you might be wondering new- what that is. Oh, go ahead, Zach. I didn't know if you were going to do that part or not. Go right ahead. Wow. Okay, I just jumped right in there. Go right ahead. <laughs> and newly implemented policy in Europe that will be affecting America and our trade. I'm really excited about a carbon border adjustment mechanism. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about a carbon border adjustment mechanism. This is probably one of the most exciting conservative environmental policies, I think, to come out in a long time, because it is, it floats everyone's boat, is how I'd like to say it. I know, we're all super duper excited about that, but before we get in too deep on CBAMs, you know what else is really exciting this summer year? What? Food and Christmas decorating. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. How are we doing on Christmas decor, gang? Okay, guys, so you know how I have too many cats? Yep. Well, actually, I don't, I don't have too many cats anymore. But I, I already know them. where you're going with this. I already, you go right ahead. Well, it's really difficult to set up a Christmas yep, tree. Yep, it sure is. <laughs> because, like, they think every ornament I put on the tree is a new, like, challenge toy. for them. Yep. You know, shiny new toy. It's a shiny new toy. It sparkles. It makes sounds when it shatters on the floor. Oh, perfect. And, Incentive. You know, they're like, wow, is something just... It's massaging the right part of their little kitty brain to watch the ornaments just crash onto the ground. So I'm having to like really tie my ornaments to the tree. Like I'm wrapping the little wire hook around like three or four times and they still manage. So every night I'll hear just in my living room and I'm like, oh no, (laughs) they've done it again. That seasonally panic inducing sound of the crash of a Christmas ornament. Usually it's like the sound of your cat retching. (laughs) But now it's the <laughs> seasonal replacement of hearing the bulb shatter in the middle of the night. Another thing about this is one of my cats has asthma. And so it's funny to watch her cl- try to climb the tree because she'll have like an asthmatic attack halfway up. Oh, no. And then she just sits in the tree while she waits for her asthmatic attack to pass <laughs> and then keeps going. She's that dedicated to getting <laughs> Mount Everest climbers. Like they've got to stop at a certain level so that they can like acclimate to the oxygen. <laughs> that's that's exactly. your cat with the Christmas tree. Yeah. Zach, how about your cat? Does your cat climb your Christmas tree? Well, I'm probably, probably not doing a Christmas tree this year since it's just me and my girlfriend uh, in our new apartment. Don't oh, have any yeah, decorations or anything place. yet. You got to put up the apartment, Zach. Come on. First <laughs> yeah. Time, new place. <laughs> Yeah. I'll do the I'll do the little elf on the shelf. We'll keep an eye on everything. There you no, go. No, the elf I'll, on the I'll shelf is terrifying. Yeah, okay, <laughs> look. I think it depends. I think, like, when your pet gets a hold of the elf on the shelf, it very quickly <laughs> goes from, like, holiday movie to horror story. <laughs> so, so, Zach, we'll just check in with you every week on the new location for the elf on the shelf. <laughs> It'll be like the Where's Waldo. 
When I was a kid, my family did Elf on the Shelf and it scared the crap out of me every year. So I feel like if you're not the person that's moving the Elf on the Shelf, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. I can very easily see how that would be unsettling if it's like, honey, did you move the Elf on the Shelf? No, I thought you did that. Um, and it's like you wake up and it's like standing at the foot of your bed. <laughs> I don't mean to poop on your Christmas decorating idea. I think the elf on the shelf is really fun. I think I just got too into my head about it when I was a kid. I was like, why is the elf on the shelf in my bed tonight? You know? <laughs> that is so funny. How did it get there? Who put it there? How did it get I there? I don't remember it's there. So what are its intentions? <laughs> what are its intentions? <laughs> what are your intentions with my daughter elf on the shelf? <laughs> How did you get it it's like he's been stealing mail. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you think the elf on the shelf would feel about a carbon border adjustment mechanism? Well, if he's got any common sense, I hope he'd be as excited about it as we are. <laughs> Only good kids get CBAMs this year, gang. <laughs> Only good countries. Naughty, ki- naughty kids will get coal and we will tax them for it. <laughs> I was going to say... Senator Cassidy's gift to uh, environmentalists for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that this is a Republican-led, economically sensible environmental legislation that's coming out. So, Zach and Katie, tell I mean, I know quite a bit about CBAM, but I mean, I'm sure you guys maybe know things that I don't. Tell me what the essence of a CBAM is and how it's going to benefit the United States. Take it away, Zach. I'm defaulting to you on this one, bud. I would say, well, right now we have two proposals that have been put forward by the Republicans and the Democrats on carbon border adjustment mechanisms. One is the Republican-led bill called the Farm Pollution Fee Act, by, sponsored by Senator Bill Cassidy from Louisiana, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, and Roger Wicker from Mississippi. What this is essentially is going to place a fee on high-polluting imports from foreign countries such as China and India, which don't have environmental regulations that protect their local environment, and thus they can pollute and care less, just ship inferior products to us in general. And I think this is a great way to place the burden of responsibility back on those countries by saying, we are going to put a fee on your you taking advantage of our neutral system, not protecting your environment or the world's environment, and make you more responsible for that act and make you pay for not protecting our, our air that we all breathe. I love that. Also, sorry, if you hear a cat meowing in the background, it's just her excitement over (laughs) CBAM. She wants to be a part of the conversation and she's trying to claw her way into my bedroom right now. Better than trying to claw her way up the Christmas tree, so. (laughs) One of the things that I love that you mentioned, Zach, is that it forces other countries to comply with our environmental regulations because I'm sure Zach and Katie, I hear this argument all the time. And I think it's totally valid that if the United States is the only country putting in place these, you know, carbon initiatives and these environmental regulations, like how do we compete in the global economy when other economies are not taking as much of a charge as we are, right? Right. I'm glad you said that, Hannah. I feel like, you know, anytime that we've lobbied or reached out to our members of Congress, it almost seems like you can kind of predict on the flow chart what the response will say. Anytime you talk to your Republican office about wanting to do something about climate change, usually one of the first things they say is, okay, well, what about Russia, China, and India? And I mm-hmm. think that, that we've been like going around in that circle for so long that now they're starting to finally realize that 
in a time when the economy is not that great and the environment could always stand to be improved with legislation, Republicans are really poised to, to really hit a home run on this. So I think that it's super exciting to see a Republican initiative that addresses some of those economic insecurities that we've been seeing lately, while also improving the environment. I, it, like you said, it's like Christmas come early. It feels like a lot of what we've been asking our conservative lawmakers to do is like really coming full circle now. And I think this is also great because it really pushes the reevaluation of made in America and valuing our products as being more environmentally friendly and punishing those less, those inferior products from other countries. It rewards us for being environmentally conscious and for our businesses for running more environmentally conscious and being efficient. Senator Lindsey Graham says, we're trying to reward American businesses who are doing environmentally sound business practices, and we're going to hold accountable those countries who do it the cheap and lazy way, which I love because, I mean, everyone knows that environmentally friendly products are usually more higher quality, better made products compared to cheap, very extractive and exploitive products. I mean, it makes environmental sense and it makes good business sense to be making these products, but to shift that demand towards those kinds of products is kind of hard to do. But this CBAM mechanism really does that because it puts that tariff in place on those imports that are not as environmentally conscious and not as environmentally friendly. How do you guys think that this will affect the American consumer? Like, how do you think that CBAM will kind of change the way that consumers think about the products that they're buying? I think it's going to have an impact based on where you're shopping. If you're already trying to shop more American-based and more uh, ethically-based, you're going to be impacted less because you're already be purchasing American-made pot products and trying to stay locally based. But if you're shopping a lot, Amazon, Timu, all these new sites that I've never even heard of, and you're getting all these cheap Chinese and Indian products, you're going to be paying more because their their industries are going to be have to are getting a fee added onto their imports, and it's going to increase the cost of them doing business and the cost of them importing to the U.S. I love that because. One of the things that I care a lot about is small businesses. My dad runs a small business on the side and I have family members who run small businesses. And I think that this will be huge for them because, you know, as someone who really cares about having a free market, it's hard when consumers are so driven to purchase these really cheap Chinese and I don't know, I'm mostly thinking Chinese made products. That's taking up space from these hardworking American people who run these small businesses that are probably more environmentally conscious and that are basically just keeping our economic interests at home, right? And keeping our jobs here rather than exporting it out there. So this is a really timely conversation because like literally just a couple days ago, I tweeted a report from Bain & Company, which from what I've gathered is kind of like a sustainability consumerism think tank. Don't quote me on that though. Mm -hmm. And they, they actually released an article kind of summarizing a study they did where they asked more than 23,000 global consumers about a broad set of sustainability issues and like what concerns them as consumers. And 64% of consumers reported high levels of concern about sustainability, about whether or not a product is made in a way that's economically friendly and in and of itself is like sustainable. The trends have certainly noted that as people go to stores and go to check things out, they don't mind paying a little bit more for either a reduced carbon footprint or for a more eco-friendly option. Yeah, and I feel like having this carbon border adjustment mechanism really communicates that to consumers about what is the environmentally friendly choice and also makes it more accessible because that price differential between the cheap 
lazy products that are made in China versus these products that might be a little bit more expensive here, it just won't be that much. And the the choice for consumers will be much easier to be like, oh, well, this is cheap and it's better for the environment. Mm -hmm. And it's not that much more expensive than something I'd buy from Timu, right? Not to mention it probably won't break compared to half of what you get from Timu like within the first (laughs) two hours. Sorry, not sorry. No, definitely not. I feel like it also affects clothing. Like, have you guys ever shopped at H&M or something like that? And you wash your t-shirt one time and all of a sudden it's like... like, all the stitching is like gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And when you think about it in terms of price per wear, like I would rather spend $150 on an outfit that I know I will be able to put through my washer and dryer Mm -hmm. without it bleaching my other clothing or, you know, leaching dies into my other clothing or turning into a tenth of the size that it was just by going through my dryer one time like it's better for the american consumers in terms of quality and in terms of their pocketbooks yeah one big hope of mine is that once this carbon border adjustment starts taking effect that it'll push more business to reshore or friendshore to um america and bring manufacturing back to our nation and we can expect higher quality if it's coming from here it's so difficult to make sure you're buying high quality products nowadays just because you can't trust all the Amazon reviews or everything you're reading. I always try to find some, like something that's like locally made. Like I bought a cast iron pan and Lodge is a American made company based in Tennessee. And I was like, I'm buying their pan. Everyone's like, they're the best. Everything that's else is just Chinese too. and it's going to break. We're not sponsored gang, but that is a good brand of cast iron skillet. Because <laughs> I mean, it, you can tell that American made difference. Mm hmm. Sorry, that was a real loud mm-hmm. But <laughs> I was I just going to say, it's like, you, it's like, you know, when they say they don't make it like they used to. No, they do. They just don't make it here anymore. But if you buy it here, yeah, they still do make it like they used to. <laughs> oh my gosh, Katie, that's so true. Like, people are like, well, nothing lasts as long as it used to. Everything is terrible. Well, that's because everything is manufactured outside the United States in these, yeah, like... It's because a Chinese plant is making 10,000 of them every single day out of tinfoil. Like, that's why. It's not because like like they're not capable of doing it. It's because we outsourced it for cheaper. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, this is horrible to say, but the conditions in which factory workers live in and these countries horrible, are- horrible. No wonder my H and M shirt is terrible because it was made by an eleven year old. You know, yeah, like, who's like I- probably blind and malnourished and everything in between. Like no joke. <laughs> If I think about my stitching skills when I was that age, mm-hmm. was not was not up to par. And so the fact that oh, and this is another thing is the United States is kind of switching more towards trades and right. small businesses starting to kind of develop, and the CBAM will really support that. We're, we used to be manufacturing economy, but when we offshored all that manufacturing. We lost a lot of this kind of like working potential, but bringing that back home will provide high salaries for American people who don't want to go to college or for people in rural areas. It'll just be, it'll bring jobs, higher quality goods. It's just phenomenal. Reinvigorize our economy. Mm-hmm. One of the main points I really want to express from this is the leadership that this is showing on the America's part of pushing environmental policy and finally putting voice to what our masses want and getting into the environmental game and leading the world saying, if you're not going to follow our environmental policy, if you're not going to help fight climate change and be a player for good, we're going to punish you, we're going to tax you, and we're going to impact your economics and make it harder for you to get involved with our economy. You have to be supportive of our our environmental policies and help be the good in the world. I would love to see Americans taking a heavy leadership role and being representative of good for the future. 
So we've kind of talked a little bit about what some of the economic impacts of this might look like. But I guess, Zach, if you and your perspective had to really outline for our listeners what exactly the economic impacts of this CBAM or this bill would be, what would you say? The one negative impact that this will have on U.S. consumers is that it's going to make farm goods more expensive because they will have to pay import fee to get their products in the U.S., but it's going to put more value into American products and make American products more competitive internally. And we are the greatest consumer base in the world. So we want Americans buying American-made products and not outsourced material. This, the hope is that this will also bring back manufacturing jobs and bring back industry that we have severely lost and reshore all those industries that have left. Like I don't want any more companies going to China to avoid our laws, our regulations, to avoid polluting. They need to play by rules. They need to be efficient, effective producers of their materials. We need to prevent carbon leakage, which is where industries offshore carbon-intensive, environmentally damaging industries to nations with less environmental protection and just ruin their environment when they can get away with it. Mm -hmm. As a conservative, I'm all for increasing competitiveness and rewarding products made in America. And this is going to reward products made in America while simultaneously punishing companies that have offshored their production. Keep that Made in America brand strong. So it's really easy to get lost in the dollars and cents and economic lingo that surrounds the CBAM. But this isn't just a show about economics. Obviously, the, the main priority of the show is to talk about the environment. So from an environmental standpoint, Zach, how would this bill and CBAMs in general benefit our country? Well, it makes us more economically competitive, but it also, it's great for the environment. It'll value our environmentally good industries and punish those industries that are environmentally degradation or degradatory. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll, take, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll trademark that word. I like that word. Degradatorial. Degradatorial. There we go. I, yeah. I'll work Please. it. <laughs> Add it to my vocab. This would exert U.S. pressure on foreign markets to produce goods in more environmentally friendly manner. The pressure would show that the rest of the world that we're serious about fighting climate change and reducing emissions, raising global emission standards to to meet the U.S. market standards. And we also have to be mindful of how Europe is currently already implementing this. And theirs is said to be fully implemented, I think, by 2026. Yeah, I was going to ask you, has like anybody else done this? What does this look like elsewhere? Are are we like taking a shot in the dark or is somebody already kind of starting to pave the way for us on this? We need to get competitive with them. If other countries start implementing this and start putting fees and taxes on our imports and our exports into their countries, we're not going to like that. I don't want to be paying additional fees just to export into the into Europe because they have a carbon border adjustment mechanism. So the EU has a CBAM. Theirs will be implemented. I think right now they're in testing phase in, okay. in 2024 and 2025. Yeah, okay. All right. We just read the same one, fully implemented in 2026. Okay. So, so, and you, you did just talk about some of the impacts of, so it kind of seems like us coming up with a CBAM is almost like our own protective measure to make sure that, you know, we're not just getting like fined and feed and stuff. It, it seems like us having a CBAM will kind of be a response to other countries doing that. What, like, what is the, the EU CBAM impact on the US? So they're starting out with, um, Targeting carbon-intensive goods such as cement, iron, steel, aluminum, fertilizers, electricity, and hydrogen. So you can start placing fees on imports of these products. The current impact of this on the U.S. is not large; it's marginal. It will impact 1.1 percent of all U.S. trade, which is about which is it's it's large. It's 350 billion dollars, only one percent, but 350 billion dollars. Mm. 
but a, to- a total of 4 billion of those exports will be impacted. This is just the beginning. These adjustment mechanisms will be expanded and grown as they learn and understand how to properly apply these to different industries. So we're starting with seven intense carbon, carbon intensive industries, but they're going to be transitioned to more products and we're going to have to pay for fees on more and more stuff that we're exporting to Europe. And it's going to add up over time and the trade and the trade imbalance is going to increase. Hmm. Republicans did not wake up a couple weeks ago and invent a CBAM. Like this yeah. is a, this is an idea that's floated around for some time. So Zach, clearly this is a bill that's being proposed by two Republican senators. Well, they each have their own. Why is it bipartisan? And what also appeals to it to Democrats? Because we know that there has to be at least some level of bipartisan support to get anything through Congress, right? Yes. Last con- congressional session, the Clean Competition Act was introduced by Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island, and the Fair, Affordable, Innovation, and Resilient Transition and Competition Act. That's a mouthful. was introduced by Senator Chris Coons of New Jersey. And they've also in- introduced the Prove It Act by Senator Coons and Kevin Kramer, of a Republican from North Dakota, as a way to like measure and start like preparing how to apply these fees, sort of like a studying and assessing like the values of different carbon intensities of different industries. But the, what makes this bipartisan is it's accomplishing, it's accomplishing the huge environmental goal of reducing global emissions. Like it's a U.S. policy that will impact global emissions because everyone wants to get into the U.S. economy. Everyone wants to be importing to the U.S. But if we implement this, they're going to have to pay, they're, they're going to have to either reduce their emissions or pay a fee to get into our economy. And it's a very competitive way to push people in the environmental direction we want, and then also protect our own assets at home. Mm. All right. I was going to say, we just barely finished the last of the questions, and I was like, Katie, <laughs> do you want to soapbox it, or are we about <laughs> to wrap up? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we even need a soapbox. I think we, uh, <laughs> Dr. Zach here. Okay, <laughs> all right. So I can talk about the action steps. My dear listeners, who I love very dearly, we have a few action steps for you like we do in every single episode because we want people to listen to this show, feel inspired, and then do something about it. So first thing is you can join CCL Conservatives at cclusa.org forward slash conservatives. So CCL Conservatives also advocates for the border carbon adjustment, which is what we've been talking about in this episode. Please write your member of Congress and indicate that you are a constituent concerned about climate change. We'll have some links to how you can contact your member of Congress and then also just figure out who they are. Honestly, it took me a while to figure out who my member of Congress was because I've moved around so many times. I was like, I was your your constituent and I'm a different person's constituent. So either way, write them at www.house.gov forward slash representatives. Drawdown by Paul Hawken. Ooh, drawdown is real good. All right. Yeah, because it's like they—they're they me- basically measuring most climate inte- carbon intensive and impactful in- industries. I would say either drawdown or Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. Oh my gosh! Okay, if you haven't heard of Rachel Carson before, she is the landmark environmentalist. She really did highlight environmentalism way back in the 20th century. Actually, it wasn't that long ago, but she wrote this book called Silent Spring. 
For those of you who haven't read Silent Spring by Rachel Carson, we highly recommend it. It kind of starts out with the story of these birds and how DDT was affecting their eggshells and making their eggshells really thin and then killing baby birds. It was just so sad. And then she talks about how it affected children who were running through these DDT clouds. And it starts out with kind of a story about environmental justice and environmental health. And then it just goes into environmentalism in general and how we should all be taking care of the environment. And it really brought environmentalism to the forefront of the American consciousness. So if you want to kind of get a good background on how environmentalism became a thing in the United States, I'd give that book a look. And Katie has another book for us. Yeah. When it comes to uh, books that I would consider very influential in the climate and environmental sphere, I also have to recommend Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming by Paul Hawken. It's one of those books that your professor has probably referenced like 400 times and that you've like, you've heard, but you just never Googled. Well, go ahead and Google it and get it. Treat yourself for Christmas. Just don't treat yourself too much. The economy is bad. But it talks about all the different ways that a lot of thinkers and think tanks have really come up with grassroots ways to combat climate change from educating girls in low-income countries to sustainable farming practices. So it really does run the gamut in terms of a holistic perspective on tackling climate change. And that's Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming by Paul Hawken. Okay, awesome. So share this episode on your social media feed and share your opinion about the topic. What are your thoughts on CBAM? Are you as excited about it as I am, my cat is, and the elf on the shelf is? And if you're not, tell us why. Yeah, if you're not, tell us why. why. We will we'll have a intellectual discussion, and then we'll maybe bring up your comments and questions and concerns. Friends and foes. Yep. Sorry, my cat screams like he's being held here against his will, despite living on the street for ten years. So I think it's because we mentioned CBAM. Yeah, and he got so excited he had to shout for joy, and he'll probably (laughs) do it for the rest of this episode. So sorry, everybody. No worries at all. All right. Well, I love you guys dearly, and. Oh, yeah. Sorry. For you, our listener, email us with your thoughts. Our email is info at greenteapartyradio.com. Thank you for listening to Green Tea Party Radio. And a very special thank you to all of our patrons. We could not do this without you. So thank you so much again. If you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and all those social media things I don't have. And just so you know, this is our passion project. We don't have any organizational sponsor because we're that cool. We're building a movement because we want the world to know that conservatives have important things to say about climate change. We're not George Soros funded. We're not nope. Democrats. Nope. <laughs> we're not sneaky Democrats. We're not sneaky Democrats. Nobody's propping us up. We're nope. three young conservative college kids who care deeply about the environment and conservative politics. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear our show on your college radio station, email us at info at greenteapartyradio.com. Give us the details about your campus and your radio station. The email again is info at greenteapartyradio.com. And thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. We love you all. Bye. Okay. All right. I hate to say it, but I also have to go again very fast. And just so you know, this is our passion progress. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know why my mouth did that. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, this is our passion project. 
you might remember it. It's uh, the birds with the DMT destroying their eggshells and how and how people and how kids who like ran through DDT clouds on the backs of trucks in their neighborhood yeah like, got every form of cancer imaginable as oh an adult. Oh my gosh, wait, can I re-say that? Because I've been saying DMT, not DDT. No, you're good. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, DMT is a psychedelic drug. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I meant to say DDT, not DMT. I, I too would chase the DMT truck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they went, they did this psychedelic drug and then <laughs> the they were tripping. The were wild. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 